Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, good morning, Calvary. Hey, so good to see you today. We are taking a walk through certain psalms in this book that's right in the middle of your Bible, largest book in the Bible, 150 songs that are there. Each psalm is a song. It was Israel's songbook. It was the way that they worshiped corporately. They would use those songs for their synagogues and in the temple, they would sing these individually as songs of confession and repentance and worship to the Lord. So it's a powerful book. And what we've been looking at is that the psalms are a soundtrack for the seasons of your life for your soul, it gives us this soundtrack that allows us to kind of sing the songs that God has given to us. And we've been looking at this as we've been going through this. And the reason why I think this is so kind of powerful in our lives is that music has real power, does it not? Like songs influence us. And so it's a powerful thing. And this is an important part of understanding this book of Psalms as we look at this. And music has incredible power. And I think we take this for granted a little bit because music so easily comes to us. But if you look at centuries past, like if you weren't a musician and you wanted to hear music, you would have to go to a church. You'd have to go to some kind of concert in a theater or something somewhere. And we're kind of spoiled today, aren't we? I mean, we have access to music, and this has kind of really happened in the last century or so. Started when people were listening to records. Anybody remember records? Okay, we got any vinyl people out there? Maybe you're back into records again. There's a lot of people that that's it's kind of seeing a resurgence. And then we went from vinyl to, and praise God, God gave us eight tracks. Anybody remember eight tracks? Where you'd be listening to a song, and halfway through the song, it would click, click, and do that, uh, do that jump, and uh, then... We graduated from eight tracks to cassettes. We've actually got cassettes built right into the, the, the theme kind of art for this series. Any cassette tape people? You were, that was your, your main mode at one point in life. I remember when I graduated from cassette tapes to CDs, CDs, went to MP3s. Anybody have an MP3 player back in the day? And now what do we do? It's all right here. We listen to music through technology in so many ways and we're kind of spoiled. Because it used to be that if you wanted to listen to a certain song, you'd have to wait till it was on the radio and press record. Anybody remember that? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Or you'd have to go out and buy the CD. I was too cheap. I was a press record guy. (laughs) And then we've gotten to the place now where you just kind of stream it. Like it's at your fingertips. And if you have a collection of songs that you want to listen to together, then you go to Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you listen to your music and you make a playlist. Any playlist people out there? where you put all your different songs in one place and then you can listen to them together. And we think we're so bad because we got technology and we put all those songs together and we can make special playlists. But that's really an old idea. It started with mixtapes. Anybody remember mixtapes? Where you take your favorite songs and you put it on a cassette. If you don't know what I'm talking about, anybody see Guardians of the Galaxy? <laughs> that cassette Star-Lord carries around, well, that's a mixtape. And you would take your favorite songs and you would put them all in one place. It was the original playlist so that you could listen to those songs together. And you'd kind of have that theme and you put a theme behind it. Maybe you needed some hype music. Maybe you needed some, some music you just like to listen to when you're driving or something like that. Or if you were the master of the mixtape, you could put one together that you could give to that special someone. And you'd craft those love songs and you'd kind of seamlessly weave them together so that when he or she would listen to it, 
they would see one resounding message. I love you, baby. Right? Isn't that what it would be? That's exactly what it would be. You listen to it. So you'd get that mixtape. I'm guilty of it. I went back, tried to look for him, but the Lord loves me too much. I can't find him. He's protecting me from me in looking for this. Here's the deal. Here's what I want you to see. Psalm 19 is where we're looking today. If you have your Bibles, whether in a print or a digital form, and I want to propose something to you today. I want to propose that Psalm 19, whether we've seen it and read it this way or not, I want to propose that it's a love song, that this is a song that we'll see that David wrote, and it's a song where he's expressing his love to his God, and I would even challenge you to see it not just as one love song. I think it's a mixtape. I think it's a playlist. I think David took three of his favorite tracks and he wove them together so that we could see this love song that he is writing to his God, to his king, to his savior, to the one who has changed his life. And so we're gonna take a look. We're just gonna walk through Psalm 19 today and we're just gonna look at kind of like a mixtape. We're gonna listen to it track by track by track and see what it is that David is putting together here so that we can hear this song of love from David to his God as he shares this in Psalm 19. So three tracks that I think he's woven together in this mixtape. Here's the first one. Track number one is this. It's a song that says, I love you because you are beautiful. I love you because you are beautiful. Let's just be honest. If we think about it in relationships, earthly love between people, beauty is often where it starts, isn't it? Oftentimes, it's, it's that first glance where you go, hey, there's something about that person that I like. It'd be interesting to, to poll you and ask many of you, can you remember the first time you saw your spouse? And that, that, that little pitter-patter? I can. I can remember very clearly. It's awkward because Rhonda's here, so I'm just gonna look over here because it's making me a little nervous. But uh, she, I, I grew up in Warren, Ohio. She didn't, but her family did. And during those years when she didn't live there, I knew all her family, but I didn't know her. But I very clearly can remember when she came to visit her family and the first time that I saw her. I can very clearly when she, remember when she moved back to Warren and the first time in church when I saw her. And I can tell you in those moments, first time I saw her, I wasn't worshiping God in those moments, right? Like, I remember the first time going, well, I wonder who that is. I didn't know they had a cousin, you know? So clearly, it's interesting, if you think about music, right? So many songs, if you pull out all the songs that have been written in the world, you pull out the songs that have been written for religious purposes, for church, songs that have been written to God, you pull those out, wouldn't you think the vast majority of the songs are love songs? They're songs that have been sung from one person to another, and it goes from generation to generation to generation. Some of us, you know, we, we come right to songs, I mean, we can go back to a classic, uh, you're just too good to be true, I can't take my... Yeah, you know that great hymn of the church, right? I mean, this is, you, you know it, right? You go, should we talk about this in church? You ever read the Song of Solomon? Like, this is the way that God wired us. He wired us to perceive beauty, not just from person to person, but ultimately to see the beauty of what he's created, to see the beauty of who he is. And so when David starts this mixtape, when he starts singing this love song, the first thing that he does is to say, God, I love you because you're beautiful. Watch this, Psalm 19, verse one. Here's what David says. It's to the choir master. So he, he wants it to be sung by the congregation, a Psalm of David. He says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. 
There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and the words to the end of the world. He says, God, when I look at the sky, it declares your glory. When I look at what you've made, I'm in amazement. God, what you've created, it's beautiful. Have you ever had that experience when you've looked at the sky? Maybe you've been outside in the night sky, maybe far from city lights, and you could truly just kind of look up and see the stars. It's awesome, isn't it? Like, I mean, it's truly awesome. And it reminds us just how big God is and just how, what, (laughs) small we are. We look and we go, God, the heavens, they declare your glory. Why is this, why is this important? Well, well, Paul helps us in Romans chapter one. He says this, Romans one, verse 19. He says, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his internal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. He says, look, when you just look at creation, you can see there's a God. Like when you just look at the world around you, you can't help but go, that beautiful creation had to have a creator. And God, when I see it, I'm amazed. David says, Lord, the heavens declare your glory. And I love you because you're beautiful. Side note, if we have a God who loves us, who created the glory of the heavens, don't you think someone with that kind of power has great strength for you as well? I mean, we rest in this. We know this. He doesn't just stop there, though. He says, look, when I see the skies, it's incredible. And then he brings it in a little bit more narrower. Watch what he says at the end of verse four. Psalm 19, David is singing a love song. And he says, in those skies, God has set a tent for the sun. Remember this, because it's funny. He says, he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber and like a strong man runs its course with joy. It's rising is from the end of the heavens and it's circuit to the end of them and there is nothing hidden. This is important. There's nothing hidden from its heat. I love it that David says that God has not only declared his glory in the skies, but in those skies, he has set up a tent for the sun to live in. Why is that significant? Well, if you think about the world around David in that time, in those pagan cultures in the Near East at that time, one of the places where their idolatry would go is they would worship the sun. They would sacrifice to the sun. They would worship that, that ball of fire that was in the sky. And David says, you know that, that sun that you worship? My God built a house for it. My God pitched a tent for it. My God made the heavens. And then he built a little shack that you're sorry little God could live in. Isn't that interesting? He lets them know just how great God is and how nothing is hidden from the sun's heat, how powerful he is through all of this. And so David begins his song, track number one, I love you because you're beautiful. When I see you, it stirs something in me. Can I ask you, when when was the last time that you let God's beauty stir something in you? When was the last time that you truly just stopped and thought about his greatness? That you pondered his creation? That you considered his power? Look, I I get so busy going from thing to thing to thing to thing that oftentimes my prayers are, God, just get me out of the mess I'm in right now. Anybody? (laughs) But what if I sat back and said, Lord, when I see the heavens, 
I'm just reminded of how great you are. You know, one of the great gifts I think that God has given to us is memory. When was the last time maybe you thought about things that God has done or even more, things that he's made? So some of you have been to some extraordinary places, beautiful places. When was the last time you looked back and thought about the beauty of that place in that moment? Like I can remember when our family was blessed to go to Yosemite and to stand and look out over the Yosemite Valley and say to myself, I'm pretty sure that's Photoshopped. Anybody? <laughs> right? that, that can't be real. It's too, God, your, your creation, your beauty. You read Psalm 19 and it says, you're just too good to be true. <laughs> I can't take my eyes off of you. When was the last time that you truly stopped thought about how great he is. This is a practice that we see over and over again in the Psalms. Watch this, Psalm 100, verse three. The psalmist says, know that the Lord is God. To know, to stop, to think about it, consider it, remember it. Don't just go there in your hard times, but really think about how great he is. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. This idea of knowing God, stopping, remembering, thinking about him. Like we read this again in Psalm 46, verse 10. The psalmist says that God says, be still and know that I am God. When was the last time I, in my hectic life, in the pace of your homes, that you took time to be still. Know that he's God. God says, I will be exalted above the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. How healthy it would be, especially in times of challenge, for us to stop and say, God, I remember you and your greatness. Because he made the heavens. He made Yosemite too. Do you know what I think his favorite creation is? Psalm 139, verse 13. He says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't know whether you're in this room or the chapel or watching this on a screen somewhere, but somebody really needs to hear that today. That your life matters. That the God who made the heavens thinks that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God, your works are wonderful. I know that full well. He says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, and when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. One of the places that you'll see his beauty most clearly is when you look in the mirror. David says, as he starts his masterful mixtape of Psalm 19, he says, God, I love you because you're beautiful. And then, because he's a wise poet and songwriter, he goes to track number two. Track number one, I love you because you're beautiful. Track number two, I love you and you mean so much to me. Track number two, I love you, and you mean so much to me. Isn't that kind of how you would build a mixtape? First, you would say, boy, when I see you, I love you. And then you've changed my life in so many ways. Can't imagine living without you. Here's how David says it, Psalm 19, verse seven. He says, the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. Anybody's soul could use some refreshment? 
The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. David is saying, God, your words, when I hear your voice, it changes me. I've often read that psalm and you read that part where he's like, your words, your commands, your decrees, your, and he's talking about God's word. He's talking about scriptures. He's talking about God's anointed words in our heart and in our lives. And I've often read it like it's a product review. Anybody Google reviews when you're going to buy something and you try to find out, should I go to that place? Should I buy that thing? What do people think? What do they say? That's how I've read that. He's like, all right, check, 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 check. That's not what David's writing. He's not writing a product review here. He's not analyzing something for consumption. He's saying to the God he loves, when I hear your voice, here's what it does to me. When I hear your voice, it refreshes me. When I hear your voice, it gives me joy. When I hear your voice, it fills me with wisdom. In times of darkness, it's your voice, God, that brings me light. See, he's not just putting it out there so that you can check the box and see if you wanna buy it or not. He's saying, God, I love you because this is how you've changed me. This is what your voice means to me. This is how you filled my life. I love you because you mean so much to me. And this is this second track on David's mixtape. And it's a beautiful one if you stop and think about it. It's one that you and I should recognize that when we read God's word, when we open up to allow his Holy Spirit to speak to us, the scripture says that the word of God is the sword of the spirit. And as you allow the spirit to blow through your life, to speak into your life, to fill your life, there's something beautiful that happens in those moments that's not just kind of checking the box on a product. It's letting God change your life. True? If you'll allow him to. So why do we lose that? I think part of why David sang this song is because he didn't want it to grow cold. He didn't want to lose that special connection with that person that he loves. There are some songs that when you hear them, they stir up emotions that don't get stirred up without that song. Anybody? <laughs> so David writes this song because he's saying, God, I want to love you. God, I want to love your word. I want this stirred up inside of me. What keeps that from happening? I would, I would propose to you that much like it happens in our personal relationships, marriages, friendships, whatever it might be, the same thing that can kind of poison those relationships is the same thing can affect your relationship with God. God's word says that it should be precious, more precious than gold. God, I can't put a value on our relationship. He says that our relationship should have a sweetness I love how real this is, as sweet as honey. When you hear that, can you taste it? Like it's powerful in this. That preciousness, that sweetness, we can lose that. Why is that? Two, two things that I'd propose. One, I think sometimes we lose it because of selfishness. We start looking at the other person in a relationship or even with God, even with God's word, as just a tool that we can use to get what we want. We try to use it to meet our own needs and desires. And that selfishness 
can literally poison that relationship. Here's kind of an obscure passage from the book of Amos. Amos chapter six, verse 12. The prophet asks, can horses gallop over boulders? Can oxen be used to plow them? Kind of questions that the answer is no to. But that's how foolish you are when you turn justice into poison and the sweet fruit of righteousness into bitterness. He's saying when you take the things like God's word that were intended to be a blessing and then you use them for your own purposes, there is a poison and a bitterness that comes to our souls. So selfishness can do that in our relationships and even in our relationship with God. I think the other thing is if we're, if we're not careful, those relationships just grow cold. We just get busy. We just get moving. And we forget the importance of really hearing, listening to that other person's voice. and Letting that voice stir something inside of us. Because I, I can be pretty hectic and I, I can push aside his word. Or I can be rolling through my life and fail to say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me in this situation, in this moment? And in those times, there's a coldness that will come. Why is that important for us to think about it? Because in Matthew 24, Jesus is writing about the last days. Anybody think we're living in the last days? Here's what he says, Matthew 24. He says, in the last days, sin will be rampant everywhere and the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. At some point, I gotta go, God, don't let my love grow cold. Don't let my love for you get distant, get frigid. I want the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Spirit, to blow through my life. Speak to me with your voice. Let me hear your Spirit's leading in my life so that it will draw us closer together because I don't want that love to grow cold. Physics teaches us about the Bernoulli effect. It's the, it's the reason why airplane wings get lift. If you look into it, it's kind of fascinating. The Bernoulli effect is the reason why our vocal cords work if we use them the right way. The idea of the Bernoulli effect is if you have two objects and something, a fluid or a gas, air, goes between them, we would think, sorry about that, I'll use a mint for the next service. The, the, <laughs> the idea is that when, when that goes between them, instinctively we would think that they would go this way but instead, take a couple pieces of paper when you get home today. If you blow, that wind creates a vacuum around it and it actually draws them together. That when that breath goes through, it actually draws those things together. I don't think that's just a principle from physics. I think that's a spiritual principle. That if I will be open to pushing aside that coldness and singing a song that says, Jesus, I love you because you mean so much to me. I wanna hear your voice. I wanna hear your word. Holy Spirit, speak through me. That when we allow the Holy Spirit, the breath of the Spirit to move through us, it actually draws us closer to God. Does that make sense? So David says, as he's singing this song, as he's putting together this mixtape, he says, track number one, I love you because you're beautiful. Track number two, I love you and you mean so much to me. And then the third one, because he's not dumb. He knows just how to put this love song together. Track number three, I love you, so I give you all of me. Track number three, I love you, so I give you all of me. What's he mean? Let's read what he says. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 12. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless 
innocent of great transgression. May these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He says, Lord, because I love you, it's not just words because I like looking at you. It's not just words because you've done something for me. I love you, so I commit myself. I give myself to you. Isn't that our natural response when we love something? Like when something stirs in us and we love it, the first response is, what do I give to this? Like that's kind of puppy love, isn't it? Like I remember, true puppy love, I remember about 14 years ago when we were talking to our kids and saying, hey, we think we might get a dog. And then we checked out this dog. And I remember all three of them like, oh, we have to get that dog. We wanna get that dog. We love that dog. Oh, we have to get that dog. If we get that dog, you know where this is going, right? (laughs) If we get that dog, we will do anything for that dog. We will feed it. We will walk it. We'll even go in the backyard and pick up stuff out there. Mom and dad, please. We love that dog. Can we get that dog? We will do anything. How long did that last? It was puppy love. Lasted about 35 seconds probably. And then it's work. (laughs) But if you love something, you're committed to it. It's It's not just puppy love. It's selfless love. It's saying because I love you, I give myself to you. David didn't write this song because he was trying to be religious. He wrote this from his heart. This is from a man who's in love with his king. And in those last three verses, 12, 13, and 14, he says some things that really aren't that different from what we say to people that we love. And he says the same thing to God. Here's the first thing. He, love says, look into my eyes. Right? When you love someone, you open up to them in a unique way. At some point, you open up, and there's a connection. There's a, we, we call it intimacy that happens in those moments. And that's exactly what David says here, right? Do you remember, and this is, this is unique to this psalm, this word used twice, is unique to this psalm in the Old Testament. Do you remember when it said about the sun that nothing is hidden from its heat? Do you remember when we read that? And then that word hidden is used again in verse 12 when he says, Lord, forgive my hidden sins, and the whole idea of what he says about the word of God is how it works in our hearts. David is opening himself up here. And he's saying, God, look, look into my eyes. I need to connect with you. We talked about this even last week. There are moments when we need to be vulnerable enough with Jesus to just say, God, I need you. And if there's things inside of me that need fixed, <laughs> if there's places where I need help, If there's things that I I need you to do in my life, then God, I open up myself to you. Why? Well, love says, look into my eyes. And love also says, because I don't want anything to come between us. This is huge in verses 12 and 13. David says, look, God, if there's things that are hidden in my life, like sins I don't even realize, or maybe things I've forgotten about, and I need you to forgive me, then God, please forgive my hidden sins. Because I I don't want anything to come between us. And then he says, and God, help me, keep me from willful sins. What does he mean? I I suppose a willful sin is when there's something you know irritates another person, but you do it anyways. There's a disregard. Not not just because you want to aggravate them. Sometimes that can be righteous. But but, uh, (laughs) this is, (laughs) I'm going to transgress against you because I know this hurts you. 
but I don't care because I want to do it. So I'm going to commit this willful sin. And we do it in relationships. And if you've ever had it done to you, you know how painful it is. Imagine how that feels to God. And so David says, God, if there's, if there's things that are hidden in my life, will you forgive me from those things? And God, will you keep me from those willful sins so that I can be innocent and blameless? Why does he say innocent and blameless? Not because he wants to get a, a gold star on his report card. He says, I want to be innocent and blameless because I don't want anything to come between us. Because God, I love you. I don't want to live this life the right way just so I can follow the rules and get a good grade and make people think I'm holy. I want to do this because your relationship means so much to me. I love you so much that, God, I don't want anything to come between us. So, Lord, would you help us to make this right, which takes it then to kind of the ultimate expression of love. Love says, I will sacrifice for you. Love says, I will sacrifice you. Isn't that really what love comes down to? It's not just, hey, I like the way you look. It's not just, hey, I like the way you make me feel. It's, hey, I love you. And so I'll sacrifice for you. Here's what David says, Psalm 19, verse 14. He says, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. When he says that, we read that, we're familiar with that, we've seen it on plaques, we've heard it in songs. What we don't get is that if you look at that, especially in the context of that time in the Hebrew language, it has this tone of sacrifice. Like if you were going to come and bring a sacrifice to someone, if you were gonna offer something to royalty, if you were gonna make sacrifice before a deity, if you're gonna honor the divine, then you would use this kind of language. So when David says this, he, he's not just being super spiritual. It's almost, if you will, that he's getting down on a knee. Because isn't that ultimately what a proposal is? And he's saying to his king, may these words of my mouth and this meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord. My rock and my redeemer. I may have fallen in love with you because you're beautiful, and then I saw how much you mean to me, but because I love you, I give you everything. That's the point of the mixtape in Psalm 19. In fact, actually, isn't that like a picture of what mature, real love looks like? Real love, if you've seen this in your life, progresses from beauty to relationship to sacrifice. It's this movement, right? Where you might have started with, who's that? But it moves on to, you've changed me. And ultimately, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. That's what love really is all about. Because ultimately, isn't that what Jesus did for us? that he sacrificed himself for us. For God so loved the world that he, anybody? <laughs> he gave. There's something powerful about love. And because Jesus sacrificed for us, there's this love that we have for him. It's a powerful thing that we see. And we see it so often modeled 
in the love songs on the radio or the relationships we know with other people. But how powerful is it that David puts together this love song? He weaves together this mixtape and he says to us, God, I love you because you're beautiful. and You mean so much to me. So as a result, I give you my everything. So in, in just a moment, the worship team will come. When they do, we're gonna sing a song together about how awesome God is. Can I, can I let you in on a little secret? This morning, when, and, and online, I'm sure you were killing it in the chapel, it was awesome, but this morning in this room, when you raised your voice to God, it sounded amazing in here today. Like, and if I liked it, imagine how much God liked it. Like, because you remember, he, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. You, may, you remember that, right? When you sang that song of love to him earlier, wow, did it fill this room. So in a moment, I'm gonna encourage you to sing a song of love to the Lord. And maybe this song of love, you need to stop and pause and say, God, I love you because I've taken for granted just how beautiful you are. Or maybe you need to stop and, and say, Holy Spirit, I need to hear your voice again. Or maybe today's the day where he's calling you to sacrifice and say, God, I give myself to you. Everything I do, I do it for you. Here's a, here's a quick little pop culture moment. The year was 1991. I was a sophomore in college in Springfield, Missouri. The movie that had come out that summer that was kind of running the box office starred Kevin Costner and it was a remake of the Robin Hood story. Anybody remember this? And there was a theme song that came with that movie. It was on the soundtrack. It was a song by Brian Adams called Everything I Do, I Do It For You. Anybody remember this song? Some of you won't admit it. You, you won't admit that you know it because you're either too young or you're too spiritual, but I guarantee you, I guarantee you that you've heard the song. If you've ever been in a restaurant or a store, you've heard it, true? Like it's one that just kind of plays as a soundtrack. I'd never heard it. And uh, I'd gone to the Battlefield Mall with my roommate, Eric. Eric was driving his Pontiac. He was in the front seat with his girlfriend. And I was in the back seat with my high school sweetheart. And Ron and I were sitting back there and I, all I can figure is we had left the mall and we were, we were leaving, and Eric must have bought the soundtrack to that. It would have been like him. He bought the soundtrack to that movie. And I can remember we get in his car. We're in the parking lot of the mall. And I remember he popped that CD in. First time I'd ever heard it. Look into my eyes. You know, it just gets you in that moment. And I start listening to the words of that song. And I start having a moment. And Brian Adams is just belting that song out. I reached over and took Rhonda by the hand. He's singing it. You can't tell me it's not worth fighting for. I can't help it. There's nothing I want more. I'd fight for you. I'd lie for you. Walk the wire for you. Baby, I'd die for you. Everything I do, I do it for you. I have such a clear memory of that. So I was thinking about love songs and mixtapes and this come popping in my mind. So the other night I said to Rhonda, I says, do you remember that night in the car, Battlefield Mall, Eric's Brian Adams song? She has no recollection whatsoever. None, none. She's like, we went to the mall with Eric? Like, oh, come on. I had a moment. But isn't that the same song David's singing? He says, Lord, everything I do, 
I do it for you because I love you. May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Would you stand with me if you would, please? And uh, if you're comfortable, would you lift your hands to the Lord even right now? And from your own heart, would you just begin to tell him that you love him? Maybe it's because of his greatness that you'd forgotten. Maybe it's because of his spirit's voice that you need to hear. Maybe it's a moment of commitment when you need to say, God, everything I do, I do it for you. Maybe it's a moment where you're saying to yourself, how can I say I love him when I don't think I'm right with him? And I can tell you right now that that same Jesus who loves you, who died for you, is ready to forgive you and give you hope and give you life. He would love nothing more than to hear you say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give myself to you. But in this moment, we're gonna sing about such an awesome God. And would you just begin to express your love? Father, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these truths. We thank you for who you are. And so, Lord, in this moment, with all that we have, we express to you our love. In Jesus' name, amen. You call the sun to rise. You lay it down to rest. You hold this heart of mine. You hold my favorite. You're such an awesome God. So mighty, so holy, so wonderful. You're such an awesome God, so selfless, so generous, so faithful you are.
such an awesome God, so selfless, so generous, so faithful you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It could be that there's somebody has never expressed love to God before today. Or maybe you've let that love grow cold. But there is no better moment than right now to say, Jesus, I love you and I give you my life. When we take that step, when we commit ourselves to him, there's a journey we go on that leads us to peace and to joy and to purpose, forgiveness and hope. It's no better time than right now to say, God, I love you and I give myself to you. Father, thanks for your word. Thanks for the way it speaks to us. God, thanks for the privilege we've had today to worship you, to love you. Lord, may we not take your greatness for granted. May we never grow cold in hearing your spirit's voice. And may we as a church and as individuals be willing to say, God, we give ourselves completely to you. May the words of our mouths, may the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Lord, we love you. As we go from here, we ask that you would go with us. Would you send us out with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.